Welcome back everyone to our study that we're calling The Table. In this series, we've been looking at times when Jesus sat down and had a meal with other people and what he had to say to them, what, what, he, what he did in those meals. And, and we've been looking so far at times when Jesus went to somebody's house and sat at their table and had a conversation with them. But there are a lot of different ways to share a meal with someone. Uh, and Jesus shared meals in, in different ways. For example, uh, Jesus had several cookouts uh, and Jesus had a number of picnics. Probably the, the way he most often ate with his disciples was more picnic-like. They were traveling from one place to the other and along the way somewhere they'd get hungry and so they'd sit down and pull out whatever they had packed for lunch and, and they'd have a picnic together. Uh, maybe you like picnics. Pic picnics are great. The problem for us uh, who live in the state of Georgia is really there are only a, about two hours per year that are good for picnics if you live in Georgia. There's an hour sometime in the fall, usually maybe late September or October, sometimes even November. There is that hour in between the weather switching from the seventh level of Hades hot to freezing cold. Right? That's the way Georgia experiences season changes. We go from really, really hot they're really, really cold, and there's an hour in the fall that's perfect for, for having a picnic. And the same thing happens in the spring, March, April maybe. There's that hour between going from freezing cold back to seventh level of Hades hot in Georgia. So you got to make the most of those two hours per year if you live in the state of Georgia. But it's great to have a picnic in other news, we just had a chicken salad chick open up here in Loganville. I know that some of you aren't in Loganville. You're not from Loganville. It's a big deal in Loganville that we got a chicken salad chick. Uh, my wife may have gone early one day last week during the grand opening and won a picnic blanket from chicken salad chick. So we're probably going to have a picnic on our new picnic blanket. Uh, by the way, we're not sponsored by Chicken Salad Chick, but if you know somebody, I'm open to negotiations. I I'm also secure enough in my manhood to confess to you that I like the uh, Fruity Fran and I like the Fancy Nancy. Uh, you should try Chicken Salad Chick. You, you should get some chicken salad. You should plan a picnic for that one hour that's going to be coming in the fall and you should go enjoy uh, a picnic. Chicken salad's perfect for picnics. Uh, really, any kind of chicken is perfect for picnics. So fried chicken, grilled chicken, uh, barbecue chicken, bucket of chicken, chicken wings, chicken nuggets. Chicken's a great meal for a picnic. Whatever you like for your picnic, you should enjoy a picnic. I mean, after all, Picnics were good enough for Jesus, so I think they're good enough for you. Jesus often had picnics. Now, there's, there are two occasions when Jesus had a picnic, not just with his disciples. Jesus actually had a picnic with thousands of people. Uh, in one instance, uh, there was 5,000 men plus women and children. Jesus had a picnic with them. And, and then in another incident, there was 4,000 men plus women and children. So 10 to 12,000 people each 
picnic Jesus shared. And the interesting thing about those picnics was uh, the people didn't even bring their own lunch, right? Or, or maybe more accurately, they brought a lunch to the picnic, but they spent so much time with Jesus. And in some cases, they spent days with Jesus. And so they ran out of lunch. And Jesus had to respond to these two crowds of thousands who needed something to eat. Now, it would be reasonable for us to read these two stories and think, well, aren't they the same story? Couldn't one person look at 4,000 people and think it was 5,000 or they thought it was 5,000, it was really 4,000? Could they have just misestimated the size of the crowds? And that's a legitimate question because honestly, 4,000 does kind of look like 5,000. And no, they didn't have tickets. They weren't scanning barcodes as people came into the picnic area. They didn't have an accurate count. 4,000 and 5,000 are both round numbers. They're their guesses, their estimates. So it would be reasonable to think well, maybe these were the same event, the same picnic. Two people just thought it was different numbers of people, except they weren't the same event. They were two completely different picnics that Jesus shared with two completely different groups of people. Now, how do we know that? Well, we know that for one, because Matthew and Mark both tell both of those stories within a chapter of each other, like really close to each other, Matthew and Mark tell a story about 5,000 people being fed by Jesus, and then they turn right around and tell a story about 4,000 people being fed by Jesus. And surely they would have not have forgotten that they just told this same story. Another reason why we know these are two separate events is because the details are very different from one to the other. And they're different in significant ways, meaningful ways. And yes, there's some similarities, but there are striking differences between these two events. We're gonna read the story of Jesus feeding 4,000 people from the book of Matthew, and I'll kind of compare it to the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people. Uh, this comes from Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 29. If you were with us a couple of weeks ago, we studied a story of Jesus going to Matthew's house. He's also called Levi. Jesus sat at his house. Matthew or Levi becomes a disciple of Jesus. And one day that disciple records this story in Matthew chapter 15. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the, the, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel." The picnic begins with Jesus healing a whole bunch of people, which would have drawn a lot of attention. It draws our attention. I mean, when you're reading in the Bible and Jesus is healing someone, that is a fascinating story. 
it's interesting to see how and, and when and, and what Jesus said in those moments of healing. The, the miraculous is still amazing today. When, when we hear of something miraculous happening, we want to know about it. Books are written about miraculous happenings. And, 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 and let me say, we believe Jesus performed the miraculous when he was here on earth. We believe Jesus healed people physically. They were disabled and Jesus made them whole. They, they had a disease, they had a sickness and Jesus healed that sickness. We believe that actually happened. And maybe you're not there yet, maybe you're not 100% sure about that, but, but those of us who are followers of Jesus, we believe these physical healings actually happened. And we believe Jesus still, still heals people today. He performs the miraculous today when he chooses. We don't always see miracles. Not everything is a miracle, but, but we believe that Jesus still performs miracles. But as amazing as that is in this story, sometimes where these miracles happened was almost more important than what actually happened. That can be true in a, a lot of aspects of life. Where is often just as important as what, right? Standing up for truth is always important. Speaking the truth is always important. But there's a difference, I think you would agree, there's a difference between standing up for truth when everyone else around you agrees with you versus standing up for the truth when no one else around you agrees with you. Where makes a difference? Uh, we should always stand up for justice. We should always be on the side of right and wrong, of, of justice, but it makes a difference. When we stand up for justice, when everybody else is standing up with us, everyone else is agreeing with us, versus standing up for justice when no one else around us agrees with us. Where we do something is often just as important as what we do. When Jesus fed the 5,000, the other picnic, Matthew and Mark and, and the other gospels all tell us that it was at a specific place. Right? It was on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee, and there's debates about the specific spot. If you, if you ever go to the northern side of the Sea of Galilee, there's a, there, there's a church that has been built over where some people think that miracle happened. There's a mosaic with, with bread and, and, and fish uh, in that spot, and some people think that's the exact geographical spot where Jesus fed the 5,000. Other people think it was different cities, but... What everyone is in agreement on is that it was on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee, which was a Jewish region. Jewish people lived there. So for the disciples, the people who were fed by Jesus on that day were like them. They had the same accent that they had. They, they came from the same region. They had the same background. They celebrated the same holidays as the disciples. The feeding of the 5,000 for the disciples was Jesus feeding people who were just like them. But after that picnic, Mark chapter 7 tells us that Jesus goes west to a region called Tyre and Sidon. It's two cities. The region of Tyre and Sidon, there's no reason for you to know that region or, or what's significant about it. 
But the region of Tyre and Sidon was a Gentile region, meaning non-Jewish. The people who lived there weren't like the disciples. They didn't have the same background. They didn't share the same accent. They didn't celebrate the same holidays. Jesus goes to the region of Tyre and Sidon and he heals many people. He performs many miracles. And then he leaves there. Matthew says, uh, after leaving there, that's what we read just a minute ago, Jesus left there. There was Tyre and Sidon. He walked down the Sea of Galilee. Mark tells us that his ultimate destination was a region called Decapolis. Matthew doesn't mention that, but Mark says he ended up in Decapolis. Again, there's no reason for you to know that name or or that region unless you're just really a geography buff. The region of Decapolis, like Tyre and Sidon, was a Gentile region, non-Jewish. Very different background, very different culture, very different accent, celebrated different holidays. They weren't Jewish. That is the region where Jesus performs the miracle of feeding the 4,000. This is the next thing that we're told in Matthew 15, 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. I want to stop right there. because This is an important note. Jesus heals many, feeds 5,000 people, really 10 to 12,000 Jewish people. We get to Decapolis. Jesus heals many non-Jewish people. And Jesus says to his disciples, I have, I have compassion for these people. Almost as if he's saying, I have compassion for these people just like I had compassion for the people that are like you. I have compassion for these non-Jewish Gentile people who are from a different culture, different, different race, different background. I have compassion for these people too. Not just the people who are like you. I have compassion for these people too. And in that statement, I have compassion for these people. It, it reads a little dis, dispassionately, but it wasn't that at all. The word compassion meant Jesus is saying, I feel deeply for these people, like in my gut. That's what the word means. Like deep on the inside, my heart goes out to these people. I I care deeply for these people. See, there was an afternoon picnic where Jesus looked at 10 to 12,000 Jewish people and he, he healed their sick and he fed them lunch and he cared about them. And not long after that, There was another afternoon in a completely different part of the area where there were 10 to 12,000 non-Jewish people. There were Gentile people, different people. And Jesus says to his disciples, look, I care about these people too. My heart goes out to these people too. And the disciples have to, I think, wrestle with that. Jesus gives this instruction next. They, these, these people that I care about, They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? I'll get back to the main point in just a minute, but I, I, I think it's interesting 
that Jesus sees and meets today the needs we will have tomorrow. Jesus sees and meets today the needs that this group of people might have tomorrow. He's concerned about their immediate hunger, but Jesus sees beyond their immediate hunger to know this may be a bigger problem tomorrow. They may collapse on the way back home tomorrow or the next day. There may be a future crisis for this people if we don't respond to their need today. Like, what, what does that mean for you and I? For one, Jesus' compassion is not just for the current moment. Jesus' compassion is stretching into our future. What Jesus cares about for you is not just what's happening in your life right now. Jesus knows what's going to happen in your life tomorrow and next week and next year. Jesus sees beyond today. I just see today. That's all I can see. I just see what's right in front of me. And often I need Jesus to meet the needs that are right in front of me. But Jesus is always looking down the road. Jesus knows if he doesn't intervene, if he doesn't step up, if he doesn't provide, there are going to be greater problems in my future. I'm glad that we follow, we serve, we love a Savior who is looking beyond the needs of today and he sees what's coming. And he's already providing. He's already meeting the needs of our life. And, and, and let's turn that around. There are problems, there are issues, there are needs that you and I need to step into today because of the consequences for tomorrow. Right? The challenges that those needs will create for Tomorrow, we need to step into some people's lives. We need to be a part of solutions and answers and solving problems today because if we don't, they're gonna be a bigger problem tomorrow. That's what Jesus is able to see. He's able to see down the road. He, his compassion stretches beyond the current moment to the future. Jesus has not forgotten you. And sometimes it feels that way. So sometimes we start thinking that maybe Jesus isn't aware. Jesus has moved in the deepest part of his being for the people that he loves. That's you. He's moved in the deepest part of his being for you, for your good, for your blessing, for your spiritual health and growth. And he's moving not just for the problems that are in your line of sight right now. Jesus knows what you need that's coming. Now I've often wondered when I've read these two stories, especially because they, they sort of come back to back in Matthew and Mark, I've wondered how the disciples saw Jesus feed 10,000 people on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. And then not long after that, they can't figure out how they're gonna feed 10,000 people on the south side of the Sea of Galilee. Why, why was that? And, and I know Jesus often accused the disciples of, of not having much faith. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe they saw a miracle and they still didn't trust that Jesus could do it. They still didn't trust that Jesus could respond. But a part of me wonders, were the disciples questioning whether Jesus would, the, would perform the miracle for these people? at the south end of the Sea of Galilee. Is it possible that their prejudices and their biases were surfacing in this moment? That they 
felt like, well, yeah, I mean, he did it for the Jewish people. Well, of course, he would perform the miracle for them, but these aren't Jewish people. These are Gentile people. He, he's probably not gonna do that trick again for these people. Jesus was often having to confront the prejudice and biases of his own followers. Right? He, he confronts it when he sits down at a well and talks to a Samaritan woman. And his, his disciples come back later and find him in a conversation with a Gentile, a Samaritan woman. And they're wondering, why are you talking to her? And Jesus tells a parable about the good Samaritan in, in which the hero is somebody that's not like the rest of the disciples. Jesus was often having to confront the prejudice and the bias of his own disciples. So in this moment, apparently the disciples don't assume Jesus will actually feed this crowd. So Jesus does what he did before. Verse 34, how many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Does anyone remember how many baskets were collected after Jesus fed the 5,000 on the north side of the Sea of Galilee? Remember what that, that number was? It's okay if you don't. It was 12. Many people think there is a significance to that number 12. Often in the Bible, numbers have symbolic significance not every time but often numbers are very symbolic in the bible and most people believe that collecting 12 baskets when he was feeding a 10,000 jewish people it symbolized jesus care for the 12 tribes of israel the nation of israel it, it was jesus demonstrating that he had come to provide for he had come to be the answer for. He, he had come to give strength and, and to sustain the people of Israel. He had come to the 12 tribes of Israel to be their savior, to be their provider. And that's a beautiful thing. And the disciples, no doubt, would have been on board with that. Jesus has come to meet our needs, to provide for us. But then we get to the southern part of the Sea of Galilee, the, the region of the Decapolis, and they're in a Gentile region, and there's seven loaves of bread, and they collect seven basketfuls after they're done. Seven in the Bible is often symbolic of perfection, completion. <clears throat> it, it was a great thing to know that Jesus, the bread of life, had come to provide for, to be the savior for the 12 tribes of Israel. But the perfection of his plan, the completion of his plan, the fullness of the plan of salvation was not that just Jewish people would meet their Messiah, but that everyone would meet the Messiah. 
Like what Jesus had come to fulfill, what Jesus had come to complete was a work of salvation that wasn't just for a few people. It was for anyone who wanted it. It was anyone who would respond to it. It was for anyone who had need and realized that Jesus was their answer. It was a salvation work that was gonna span borders and span cultures and span races and span languages and span backgrounds. It was gonna cross barriers. The completion of the work of Jesus was that anybody could come. Yes, Jewish people could come. But Gentiles could come, non-Jewish people could come as well. Any skin color, any race, any culture could come and they would be provided for in Jesus. The last book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation, John is allowed to see into heaven and, and what John sees in John chapter seven is this, there before me, was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were all there. It wasn't just one group of people. It wasn't just one race of people. It wasn't just one culture of people. They were all there and they were identifiable. Notice that, they were identifiable. John clearly saw there's different people here. There are different races here. There are different languages here. Apparently, God isn't colorblind. Apparently, God's salvation is for anybody. And we, and we don't have to reject the culture that we're from in order to come to Christ. Jesus didn't ask Jewish people to become Gentiles in order to come to him. He didn't ask Gentile people to become Jewish in order to come to him. He redeemed them from the culture that they were in and he celebrated the depth and the context and the texture and the beauty of the background from every race and tribe and language and culture. And one day in heaven, every race and every tribe and every culture is gonna gather around the throne of Jesus and worship him. Yes, Jesus came that the Jew may know him, but Jesus came so that anybody could know him. Look, we live in, in troubling times, racially and, <clears throat> and culturally. We're in troubling times where injustices are experienced to a greater degree by some races than other races. We're in a divided nation. We're, we're struggling to empathize with one another. We're struggling to listen to one another. We're struggling to be united. But 2,000 years ago, a brown-skinned Middle Eastern man demonstrated that he'd come for all of us. He'd provide for all of us. He was the provision that we all needed. He was the grace and the mercy and the help and the strength that we all needed. There was no separation in his eyes. I, I, I don't know if it's symbolic or not, but I, I, I love the fact that we're told they collected seven baskets of broken pieces. Seven baskets of broken pieces like the perfect work of Jesus 
is to take broken pieces like us from every tribe and every race and every background and every culture and every language, broken pieces, people who don't have it all together, people trying to figure it all out, broken pieces, Jesus collects them together and redeems them as the work of his perfect plan of salvation. It's complete, it's done, and you're invited. And it doesn't matter your background. And that doesn't, it doesn't matter your race or your language or where you're from or what's in your past. You're invited because the completion of this work was Jesus saying anybody could come. Anybody can come. Maybe we just need to be picnic people, right? Maybe we need to be picnic people. Maybe we need to see the world the way Jesus sees the world where we value the beauty of our differences, but we know everybody's equal around the throne. Everybody can come around the throne of Jesus and be changed forever. We need to be picnic people. Just broken pieces that have been swept up in the perfect plan of God's salvation work. Maybe you need to do that today. I mean, the beauty of these two stories is not just that Jesus provided for people 2,000 years ago. The beauty of these stories is Jesus is saying he'll provide for you today. He'll meet you where you are today. He loves you. His heart goes out to you. That compassion that he felt for those 10,000 people who were at the picnic, that compassion goes out to you. He cares deeply for you and wants you to come to him in salvation. He wants you to realize you're a broken piece too. You've messed up too, just like we've all messed up. We've sinned against God, but Jesus came to demonstrate perfect forgiveness and grace and mercy. All you have to do is turn to him. I encourage you to do that. If you, if you never have, I, I encourage you to bring your life by faith to the person of Jesus who lived and died and rose again for your salvation. And then I encourage all of us to turn around and be picnic people. To realize every tongue and tribe and race is gonna be in heaven, so we better get used to each other on earth. We, we better get used to listening to each other and empathizing and loving each other right here on earth. Let's be picnic people. God, thank you so much that the work of Jesus was not restricted to one group or one time or one people or one race. Jesus came and through the doors of salvation opened to all of us, the Jew and the Gentile. Those who share the same culture and those who don't, those who share the same race and those who don't. He threw the doors wide open. And one day he's gonna gather us around the throne, he's not gonna make us all look the same. He's not gonna make us all speak the same. He's not gonna make us all be the same. He's going to enjoy the beauty of the context of who we are, the depth of the texture of who we are. We're gonna bring all of that around the throne of Jesus one day. Help us to live like that. Help us to live like every person really does count. Every person is valuable in the eyes of a holy God, made in the image of God. Help us to bring our broken pieces of a life and join it with the perfect, completed plan of Jesus. 
For it's in his name we pray, amen.